The wheels on the bus go round and round. Welcome to the Fact Off. Welcome to the Fact Off, your weekly battle of facts, y'all. Alex is the host, not a slack off. Mike's got the facts that'll smack y'all. But don't worry, cuz Pat's got your back, y'all. It's the Fact Off. Right, welcome to the Fact Off, a weekly podcast where we each bring you a random and obscure fact, and you, the listeners, can decide the winner. I'm your host, as always, Alex, and is with me is Mikey Sands. Oh, hey, I, I thought you were going to also in, introduce Pat at the same time, but um, are you reading off a cue cue card this week or something? What's going on? I try. I started a whole cue card mess. Uh, my son's <laughs> standing there with cue cards, and he's supposed to go through them, but he's only two, so he's not the best cue card holder. And it's way he's past holding his, it upside down. Yeah, it's way past his bedtime. And also with us, we think he's with us. We can't see him. He's not on the Zoom. Is the weekday freak Pat? That's right, everybody. It's me, the weekday freak. So freaky, my camera is not working today. <laughs> you don't know what's going on over here. And we don't want to know. You keep that to yourself. <laughs> the people at home want to know. No, they don't. They don't care. They care about what Mikey Sands is doing, and they care about. What I'm doing, not you. No yeah. cares. Isn't it Oscar week? Don't the people care about what we're wearing? I'm wearing a Mickey Mouse uh, sweatshirt. And nothing from the waist down. Damn right. Just like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> exactly. Wait, is it the other way around? Mickey That's Mouse what... wears pants, no shirt. Yeah. That's right. And gloves. Oh, dang. You ever see the new, uh, they have like the new Mickey cartoons? There's one at- no, we haven't. Nobody here has seen the new <laughs> Mickey cartoons. We're all grown ass adults. <laughs> There's one funny one where they're trying to go and him and Donald are trying to go in the restaurant, and since they don't have shoes, uh, no shoes, their ser- their service, so they're like fighting with each other who gets to go in by taking the other's closing. It's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Um, but yep. <laughs> Mike's so mad. It's a cartoon, damn it. It's funny. I, I recommend checking it out. Don't listen to Mike's terrible opinion about TV. Well, um, those are opinions. This is the fact off. And what we have one fact to begin the show. Who won last week, Mike? It's a fact. Who won? Yeah, if listeners at home aren't aware, they can vote on all these facts in the show notes each week, and we'd love for you all to participate. But Not all of you. I, I, I don't, don't like win. it when facts win when they shouldn't win. And... I think we need to get more votes in here so we could actually find out who the best, you know, what the best fact was. Did I break the tie? <laughs> so, what do you mean by facts win that shouldn't have won? I don't know what you mean by that. Well, I don't know. Some of these facts are kind of sneaking in there. I'm like, I, I don't know if they they deserve the the, the votes. Are yeah, they, I don't know. They really well, sneak in there. Last week. They really... <laughs> yeah really sneak in there by having somebody talk about them for five or seven minutes at a time. I can, you know what? I have a feeling Mike did not win this week. I think so. Yeah, I put in all that work trying to find out about, like, this tribe that had to deal with all these crazy circumstances and and scientists really trying to discover what was happening to him and not a vote. No, Wait, so are you the fact a- off jack off? Yes. Yeah. I'm the, yeah. I am. <laughs> All right. Wait, is that the like- winner, the winner, uh, unanimously was Pat. Unanim- I got every vote. Yeah. If it was USA, 
If it wasn't me, Pat, and if it wasn't Mike, I want it to be you. (laughs) I'm the third on the list? Yep. All right, I get a victory fact. I get so many facts to start the show this week, and I think that puts me in the lead for 2023. I'm up to three fact wins. Hmm. We should start keeping counting. Who's counting? The winner is counting. That's who's counting. (laughs) Uh, All right, here's my fact. On average, 12 newborns will be given to the wrong parents every day. That seems high. I, I feel like that seems low. <laughs> I, I thought this it is a huge high. world. Like, it are is we like... calculating every country, or is it just America? Let's see. Uh, I think it's in the five mile radius of my house. I think. Yeah, but with all like the technology, like nowadays, like they put like a band on the baby right away that matches your band. A magic band. Yep, that's like. Disney. Does it have Genie Plus? It does. Um, well, I'm sure there's a lot of outdated <laughs> uh, hospitals in America still in the rest of the world. Um, yeah, so I, I think it makes sense. That now, twelve a day, day, though, that's a twelve a day is a lot. Well, they they uh, average the it same out. Hospital. So maybe on one day, like on one day where people stayed up way too late, like what what a like day after uh, New Year's Day, a big drinking day. Yeah, it's always Mardi Gras, New Year's Day. Yeah, d- day after that, the doctors screw up and put the b- wrong baby in the wrong place. It's like 500 babies one day, but then the next day, nothing happens. Well, you know? St. Patrick's Day is coming up, so maybe I'll go to the hospital and tally how many babies are given to the wrong person. You should. Say it's for yeah. science. Yeah, I'll just yeah. walk in. They let you walk in. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. side note, guys, about the ChatGPT show notes. I asked ChatGPT about like our show in general. And they recommended that we have a victory hat, which is very close to our victory fact. I think the victory fact is more fun because the listeners at home can't even tell we're wearing a victory hat. But they I know. Think, I think we hat. should all get a victory hat. <laughs> and you have to wear it during the episode? Yep. I'll do that. Yeah. I'll find. Can we find a victory hat for uh, another person in the group? <laughs> and they have to wear it. <laughs> I have three victory hats made, and then you have to wear your victory hat if you and want. And also, if I'm you get it. no votes, you should have a jack-off hat you have to wear. You have to jack-off. I don't, know. I don't want to know what this jack-off hat is. Uh, carry on. I just would have had this as weekday freak. <laughs> hey, Christmas is coming up. So. All right, so uh, now what do we do on this show? Oh, we go into that patch, yeah, back, 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 tacular. Patch, back, 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 tacular. Patch, back, 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 tacular. Patch, back, tacular. All by himself. Yep, all by myself this week on my five facts. I'm going to read you five random facts. Just to, I think this is a part of the show where we ease people into the facts. Five quick facts. So, you know, they're, they get acclimated. Uh, you know, I read a fact today that uh, the average person falls asleep. In seven minutes, and this is in that seven minutes. So hopefully they hear this, and then they can just fall asleep and let us run. And that's how they always vote for the first fact. But here are your five facts. The first one. The first issue of Time magazine was published on March 3rd, 100 years ago. And Republican Party leader Joseph Cannon was featured on the cover on what would be his last day in office. Really? Yep. That's fun. Exactly. A hundred years ago from March 3rd? Well, yeah. Well, it says a hundred years ago today, but this fact is not March. This is not March third. Another fact. A couple of days old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Alex gave a big yawn for that fact. 
<laughs> Sorry. It's late. This this one's for all you cinephiles out there. Oh, that's Mike. Mike's a cinephile. I'm a Did cinephile. Did you know that Robert De Niro reportedly stole his famous You Talking to Me line in Taxi Driver from Bruce Springsteen, whom he'd seen perform in Greenwich Village just days earlier. And when the audience called out the singer's name, Springsteen did a whole bit where he feigned humility and asked, you talking to me? Apparently, it stuck in De Niro's mind, even though Springsteen says it's probably made up. Hmm. I, I always thought they were the same person. Robert De Niro and Bruce Springsteen? Mike thinks... <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not. That's his stage name, right? Yes. To be fair, Mike thinks every white person is the same person. <laughs> I do. Which I have is, white blindness. Which is why it's always odd when he calls me, hey, Dad. And I'm like, Mike, it's me, Alex. <laughs> I'm not your dad. Yeah, you got to stop calling him Zaddy. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's easily it's easy to get confused, you know. Well, yeah, they both kiss you on the forehead every time they see you. <laughs> That's true. <Yeah. laughs> all right, fact number three. The full this is my favorite fact, maybe of all time. The full name of serial mascot Captain Crunch ooh, is ooh, Horatio. Ooh. Is it what Horatio Magellan Crunch? It is Horatio Magellan Crunch. I read that today. <laughs> there you go. Do you have the same calendar as me? No, no calendars. Looking up facts. That's today's fact. Maybe it has something to do with March seventh. Are, are you going to give us a Captain Crunch fact off today, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah. Mike got that sentence out, <laughs> yeah. but it was hard to say because he had a whole mouthful of Captain Crunch. <laughs> I did not. There was, I moved on. All right. Um, so you can't actually suck snake venom out of a bite; the toxin spreads too quickly. And the, your best bet is to just get a doctor or get the person to a hospital and hope that it was a dry bite, meaning that there was no venom inf- injected. What if you get like a Dyson vacuum on it right away? Oh, well, yeah, that would suck all the blood out of your body. Why and, it, why, why, we're not sponsored by Dyson. Your love of Dyson is just too much. I would. I was born a Dyson man. I would die a Dyson man. Hey, I have a Dyson vacuum and a shark vacuum. <gasps> Sharks are way better. And hard wood money. floors. <laughs> they both suck. Mm. And finally, <laughs> did you know what a gigafire is? A gigafire? A gigafire. Is it a fire that is bigger than a regular fire? <laughs> yes, a fire that a wildfire that destroys one million acres of land. That, that's what I was thinking in my head. I'm like, it, it must be like about the coverage of the fire, like the amount of acres. Well, you didn't say it, so it doesn't count. Well, I didn't want to interrupt you. You're not on camera, so I couldn't tell what you're doing over there. I kept there, pointing Mike. at you to go. I, I point at Mike whenever I want him to interject. I say, go, Mike, go, and he can't see me tonight. He's got you there, Mike. Mm. So, best fact, the Captain Crunch one. Yeah, I agree. That was fun. Well, Gigafire, that's that's pretty cool. That's a good name. Could be a band. Ooh, you want to set a Could band called? Could be a Pokemon. Could be a band that is a Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah, there's Giga Bowser in the Mario That's universe. That's true. I know someone who loves Giga Bowser. All right, as the fact-off champion, this is uh, the next phase of our show. I get to choose the order in which we go. Alex went last week and first the week before, so I think Mike should go. Oh, wow. The winner didn't choose to go first. That's very I just gave you. like six facts in a row. I need to take a drink of water. <laughs> Sit back and not think for a while. 
All right. No, you know what you well, do, Pat. You take a deep breath, you get a drink of water, and you get back out there and you do it again. Thank you, Coach. <laughs> but I'm I'm going again right now, so he he could take a take a little break uh, while I show him how a fact is done. Um, oh shit! Says the guy who didn't win. <laughs> yeah, there's very a lot of confidence in that. <laughs> show you how it's done. All right. You guys saw in the news, uh, this actually made me quite <laughs> gleeful because Funko we... Pop has always been like one of the stupidest toys I could ever like, <laughs> ima- like imagine. Just looking at a Funko Pop just makes me cringe. Is it a and... toy? Yeah, it's a toy. Yeah. For people at home who are or not a aware, a Funko Pop is like a crappy, chintzy <laughs> toy that like replaced the bobblehead, which was way better and that's even crappy Funko Pop on the yeah, <laughs> this bad is a really bad to... first episode Bobblehead. well they hit the news uh, did you guys see this that they have to dump 36 million dollars worth of inventory into the garbage they don't have to yeah, dump I did, it in the I garbage read that too. I read the headline I didn't they know. can easily give it away well, who wants trash like well, given it, it, it's gonna go in the trash regardless like it, it's a it's a pointless toy. So it's Funko Pops are one of the only reasons that comic book sh- shops stayed around. Yeah, it's a, wow. it helps a lot of stores because it's like the one thing that sells. I think it was risky on their part to make thirty six million dollars worth of Alex Maloney Funko Pops. It's going to catch on. <laughs> They're going to be worth money one day. It's me so dipping what, out. What had? Yeah. So what had <laughs> happened is they made so many of these Funko Pops that they had to pay. To bring in ex like excessive like of storage, like they had to bring in like con- shipping containers to fill these <laughs> Funko with Funko Pops from the ceiling to the floor. Hey, we got one of those like a new children's hospital made out of Funko Pops. We got one of those <laughs> yeah. new pods. Is that front? <laughs> oh God! Uh, so like it costs more to store these things than what they're worth. So they're just gonna dump them. Um, so that got me thinking, like, what other products are just dumped for like no reason i thought you that guy thinking who took the biggest dump <laughs> that got me thinking <laughs> about dumps i hear like that yeah. ha- i hear that happens a lot though these companies dump products I hear a lot, oh it does i hear a lot of like top of the line companies do it because they don't want that much merchandise out there yeah so have you guys heard of uh the luxury brand richmont uh they make like cartier and mont blanc Mont Blanc. I'm not saying these brands correct because who cares? They're crappy luxury brands. Uh, but Mike, you not see my outfit? Oh, crappy oh, luxury sorry. brands. <laughs> I didn't realize you were wearing my five thousand dollar watch. Um, no, yeah, uh, this two th- in 2017, this luxury brand destroyed over 437 million dollars worth of watches over t- a two year period. I could have done Simpl- it in a year for <laughs> yeah. half the price. I know. And simply because they didn't want to flood the market with, uh, like, uh, I guess, supplies, half-priced yeah. watches. Because like, I guess they sold all these watches to, to Asian markets, and then Asia stopped buying them or not as much. Oh, and man. so instead of, yeah, the d- demand went way down. So instead of, like, flooding the markets with these cheap half-priced watches or way lower than that, they're like, let's just destroy them and, I guess, recycle them. I'm sure they melted down some of the precious metals off there but they i doubt gold's going right into the trash but who knows that's where i put all my gold i'm a silver man 
Yeah. <laughs> you, you are a silver man. I am. I painted myself yeah. up silver. I don't want you guys to see me tonight. Oh, that's why? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, that makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. This is cool. It makes more sense than your computer's not working. Yeah, live your life, man. <laughs> live your life. Uh, I even saw that Amazon uh, destroys like tons of returned items. So like, if you're a third-party seller and your item gets returned or you don't sell through your item, it's expensive to keep it stored at the Amazon warehouse. And if you don't, yet you have the option to dump it um, if you want or get it shipped back to you. And it's just sometimes cheaper just to dump dump the product. You ever buy like Amazon's like already open stuff? Yeah, I do it all the time. I right? open my neighbor's stuff and go through it. Does that count? We've Every time you've bought something on there, it has been in terrible condition. Like, worse than what they, they tried to market it as. Yeah, but you can always re- return it. Yeah, we return like, it, but it's just like, it's like, we did it like three or four times in a row, and it's like, this is like a waste of time and effort. Let's buy, this, you, buy it new. Do you think uh, it's a trick by Kohl's to just get you into their store? <laughs> I think that, that part is a trick, Kohl's yeah. is selling beat-up merchandise, they're like, yeah, they're going to have to return it to us. We'd be turning it at yeah, the my U- thought, PS store. Yeah. Yeah, you can do their UPS store. There's a bunch of different places in our area where you can return it. Yeah. UPS, Kohl's, or you whatever. Go to the, it depends on the brand. You go to the um, UPS store and then you pick up Jersey Mike's for lunch. It's all connected. It's I love how you're sense. acting like this is a thing that everybody in the country <laughs> you has a relatable. UPS store and a Jersey Mike's next this door. They want to do this. No one has proven that there's not a Jersey Mike's right next to a UPS store. So it's got you there. Right now, it's a fact. It's on the fact off. Actually, across the street from my UPS store, there is a Jersey Exactly. Mike. Damn it. Yep, see? Uh, even clothing <laughs> brands, let me get back in, on track a little bit. Even clothing brands like H&M and uh, Victoria's Secret, Eddie Bauer, they destroy all their clothes to keep up, like, to keep it, like, scarce, keep keep the product line scarce. Plus, like, fashion trends change so fast these days, like, they, they don't want to have old, outdated stuff on the shelves. Um so what they do is they shred shred the clothing, they just send it to the landfill, or sometimes they incinerate it. And uh, sometimes the incineration method like kind of hides the evidence a little bit. And also they could recapture like the um, the energy from the incineration. So they use that as like a oh we're somewhat green because we generate uh, power from our waste. Aren't there so many people that could like use new clothes and just yes. like, give it to them? Oh, and then it soils yeah. your brand. It does, yeah. You don't want to see a homeless guy wearing uh, H&M clothing, right? Or the brand that's, probably doesn't. That's all I want to see. That's that's, true. I do want to see homeless people wearing like really fancy watches and, and super nice clothing. I would love it. I would want, I want that for them, honestly. I, I do. I love um, that for you, Mike. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, folks at home, I'm recording this on the street corner. <laughs> <laughs> I, am the homeless <laughs> I didn't man. mean it like that, but okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought you were saying you want me to be homeless. No, or I just think that you lo- that that's what you want. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's even a city in India, Panipat. I don't think I'm yeah. saying that right either, but and yeah, like there's this. a documentary about it, and they actually ship all these cl- all this clothing to this uh, one city to get destroyed. And uh, there's a documentary. I haven't I haven't watched it, but I guess there's people in the city that are like. 
so confused that we would send such nice objects over there to get destroyed. I'm confused. Yeah, can they I, uh, can they just take the clothes? They're like, yeah, we'll destroy it, and then you just go to India, and everybody's wearing like cool clothes. Yeah, this one city is like decked to the nines. <laughs> uh, nah, that'd be sweet. Uh, but yeah, that, that's just like uh, all aside, just to kind of like talk it up about this wastefulness. But today, I wanted to talk about an urban legend. <gasps> the movie. So on September twelfth, nineteen eighty three, thirteen trucks by cover of darkness, drove to a landfill in Alamogordo, New Mexico. I know this one. Is this the... Don't say it. No, <laughs> Don't say it. it. Let them say it's, it. Let them tell the fact. I, I know you guys... I know you guys probably know this. This is urban legend, a very popular urban legend. And it's the true. contents were buried and forgotten forever. Not really. It's only been... Or were they? It's only been, what, 40 years? <laughs> Forever is not that long if it's 40 years. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny that uh, we're we're uh, uncovering junk from 40 years ago as like a a excavation or like a archaeological dig. So 40 years ago, we're redigging up that stuff as history now. I lost my wedding ring for like a week, and when I found it, it was a pretty big deal. So I can you, see that. You told me, you called me up and said, today I felt like Indiana Jones. For the first time in my life. Well, I got chased we by that put giant a boulder. of uh, sand where it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, some garbage scavengers just happened to find some unburied games scattered about around the dump right after this. Uh, these 13 trucks had done their business. Um, and these games were... I'm sure you guys both know it. Say it. You can spit it out did now. It, did they have to phone home at all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the E.T. The E.T. The game based on the hit movie, E.T., no, the, the actual extraterrestrial. E. <laughs> yeah. So let's re- rewind so back to 1982. So is it an urban legend if it happened? Well, it was an urban legend until uh, recently we discovered it was uh, possibly true. Um, so let's rewind back to 1982. E.T. the Extraterrestrial was released as a tie-in to the movie. And uh, at that time, games had like a six to eight month development cycle. So it took... That, that's laughable in comparison to now. I think some games take <laughs> six years to make now. <laughs> I laugh at that. It is funny. I, I uh, think just to put funny. things in perspective... To, you can't see my face. I, mean, I was agreeing with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't see your face. So... Um, Cancel out Pat. <laughs> Sounds like you're making a note to yourself. <laughs> Cancel Pat. Pat. Pat just got canceled. Yeah. Well, E.T. the game was finished in just five weeks. Damn. Which sounds awesome, right? Like, congrats to them. They did a game in five weeks. You probably um, didn't think the movie was going to make money. And they they did it because they you know games that are tie-ins to movies have to release in the cycle of the movie for the advertising and all that. That's why movie games gener- generally suck because making a game and making a movie are are two different mediums and they take different time <laughs> expanses of time to complete. And a lot of times games are delayed and movies you can are are pretty. Uh, y- y- you yeah, can complete a movie hard. in a decent amount of chunk of time. Hold it's, on. it's pretty easy to figure out how long it takes to make a movie. Hold on. So a lot of movies got pushed 
during the pandemic. Are you thinking that the pandemic was an inside job from video game manufacturers pushing movies so that the video games can get better than when they come out with the movie? I think that's exactly what happened with the new Super Mario movie coming out. I can see that. Do they have Do they have a game based on the movie? Yeah, it's yeah they have Mar- about like twenty five. Yeah, Mario, Mario Party, Mario sixty four, Mario, Mario Galaxy, Mario, Mario Kart, Kart. Mario Party bunch. One, Mario oh. Party Two. <laughs> Screw you guys! <laughs> <laughs> you guys are no, no clue what you're talking about. All right. So initial sales of ET were. were Pretty fantastic. 1.5 million copies of the 4 million produced sold uh, almost immediately, which that's pretty good. That's, that's almost half. I would say that is a remarkable accomplishment. But wait a minute. There's a return period. Like Back then, you could return games. Like You can't do that now. They figured it out. Once you open the game, break the seal, and start playing, you can't return the sucker. So... Back then, uh, the game came out, and people realized that it was riddled with bugs, and it was pretty un- unplayable. So, 689,000 games copies were returned. Uh, so, if you do the math uh, of the 4 million, uh, probably uh, less like 800, than less than 800,000 actually ended up uh, at people's homes forever. And, and they're forever homes. You and know, now, they have, people, now they're worth a lot of money. Yeah, they probably are. Uh, so let's go back to the dump. So was there really a buried trove of Atari games in New Mexico? The reason why this was an urban myth or legend is because Atari has always denied that these games were ever dumped and, and existed at all. So Joseph Lewandowski, um, he was supposedly at the site when these games were dumped um, he he was like an employee, I think, of this this dump site, and he ended up buying the company where the games are buried. And he received so many requests from like fans and like just curious people about the buried games that he decided himself to he try to shovel. He's like, I'm gonna do this. <laughs> yeah, try to get him back up. They actually have a documentary about this now. I think it's uh, was released back in 2016, if I remember correctly, but. Um, Here's a quote from Lewandowski. He said, I really wasn't a gamer, said Lewandowski, he, who discovered the site with the help of old photographs and maps. So he actually used like old photographs to find the spot because it was really in a 300 acre area. It's going to be hard to yeah. narrow down exactly where those games are. So that's yeah, it's a pretty big dump. Um, he said, I never had time to play games for me. It was the ultimate treasure hunt for urban legend. So they just wanted to prove that these games are actually there because uh, Atari wasn't owning up to it. So they dug, and as they dug, they kept uncovering, uh, as they got closer to where the games were, they kept uncovering stuff around that time period, like uh, um, old posters from, uh, I forget what artist it was, like a 1980s artist. Um, Banksy? Uh, yeah, Banksy. Uh, like a music artist. And they finally got to it. They finally got to the trove of games. They initially dug up 1,178 Atari 2600 games. And they were 50 different classics. Like, a bunch of different um, games were in there. Not just ET games. Um, 
yeah, Asteroids were in there, all sorts of games. Uh, so in return, he wanted to like sell these games to like um, help out the city and donate to like uh, nonprofits. So he coordinated the sale of the games, and uh, in total, they made one hundred seventy one hundred seven thousand nine hundred thirty dollars. Nice. Twenty six thousand dollars of that was spent in shipping. Nice. Because people from all around the world wanted to buy these games. So, like, they shipped it to Singapore, Brazil, Australia, you know, all, all over the world. Everybody wanted a piece of history. And they held back a bunch of, like, E.T. games because they said they want to hold on to them for later because the value is going to go up. And, and it's, like, a historical thing. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I just thought it was interesting that... That Funko Pop thing got my brain going. Now, I, I heard about the E.T. thing before, but I just kind of wanted to research it further because I never really like knew the full story. I always and just now heard, you know the rest of the story. I always just heard that game was awful. Wasn't yeah. it like made by one guy? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I think it was. Um, it took him what did I say? Like five weeks. Five weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my fact this week is called dump it uh and like et. et yeah 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 okay dump it all right pat you want to go next you want me to go next we both go next. i'll go next okay. just so you know my fact from last week the children's menu uh which is now safely stored in the smithsonian and all of your facts that receive no votes end up right next to those et cartridges in a dump oh i'm glad you could give it as hard as you could receive it so <laughs> yeah yeah. All right. So <laughs> I am. This is something that I had to run it by my oldest brother, who's kind of like a, you know, a fact like connoisseur. He's like one of those guys. He's really good at like Jeopardy and stuff. And I just, I wanted to like, is this something everyone knows? And he was a little hazy on it. So I was like, okay, good. Maybe not everyone knows about this. I know it. But uh, I'm going to start my story on. <laughs> you don't even know what he said yet. I know what he's I'm going sure with you it. do. But I, I'm going to add some facts to a, a story that people have told a million times, but uh, just not on this podcast. So on May 20th and 21st, 1927, Charles Lindbergh made the first nonstop flight from New York City to Paris, a distance of 3,600 miles, flying alone for 33 and a half hours. Yeah, I know this one. Yeah. Yeah. His aircraft was uh, called the? Lindenberg. Nope. The Spirit oh. of St. Louis. Oh, yeah, Spirit of St. Louis. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it might not have been the first transatlantic flight, but it was the first solo transatlantic flight, flight yeah. and it was the first non-stop one between the two major city hubs. All right. However, that is not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about... You're wiping it up. A few years later, on March 1st, 1932, Lindbergh's life would change forever. His baby Ooh, was his baby. A nine, about 9 p.m., Charles Augustus Lindbergh Jr., the 20-month-old son of Lindbergh, would be kidnapped from his nursery. I am the Lindbergh baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've so debated I, covering this fact so many times. I know. Well, now I cover the fact. Oh, I can't t- <laughs> tell it now. Uh, all I know is uh, about Lindbergh is from The Simpsons, when Alex has said it, when Grandpa just goes, I am the Lindbergh baby. Wah, wah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he wasn't a good guy, right? <laughs> who, Lindbergh? Yeah. Uh, well, we'll find out. Okay. Um, so there's lots of facts. Uh, you know, this has been called the crime of the century or the trial of the century. So I'm just going to stick to the bullet points just to keep it 
as clean as possible. Um, the only thing that was found at the scene was muddy footprints, a handmade ladder, and a ransom note for $50,000 on the nursery windowsill. What's a, what's a hand, handmade ladder? It's like some so, two by fours. When I didn't write this down, but I did read about it, it was um, the guy who was caught was a carpenter, and they tried to use a lot of forensics of the ladder to like find out where he might have made it, where the wood was from. They ended up using it in court because it had some. It was used some of the same wood that was in his attic. That's so, hilarious. Like he would have been better off just buying a a ladder at a, like yeah. a. a department store or whatever you did well you would have had a paper trail of 1932 everyone knows who has the ladders <laughs> that's true oh, there's bill bill borrowed his ladder on march 6th a second ransom note was discovered this time upping the ransom to seventy thousand dollars there's a lot of ransom notes going back and forth um the third note was received by colonel lindenberg's attorney on march 8th informing that an intermediary appointed by lindenberg would not be accepted and he requested a note in the newspaper. That same day, this guy will be really important, Dr. John F. Condon okay. from, uh, from New York City. He was a retired school principal. He published a letter in Bronx Home News, and he offered said, hey, I will be the go-between for this, and I'll even add $1,000 to the ransom. He just really wanted to help out. So Condon would become that the guy, and uh, the kidnapper was cool with this. So more ransom notes would go back and forth. I'm ki- skipping a lot of facts just to get to the. Wait, so the guy, the go-between guy, wanted to give additional thousand dollar ransom. Yeah, he really. Why wanted does he want to be out. involved at all? Because he wanted to help. He was retired. Yeah. Yeah, no, retired people money. are the worst. Go on. <laughs> As this guy helps someone find. Them. All right. Um so more ransom notes would come, and the sixth one it had instructions for the doctor to meet an unidentified man who called himself John at the Woodlawn Cemetery. Okay. The man John he agreed to give proof of the baby, and eventually he would give like a sleep suit and another note on March 16th. So it started kidnapped on March 1st. We have all this correspondence with the guy. Six notes between for in over two weeks. On April 2nd. Following instructions of the twelfth ransom note, there was a lot of gut. Like it's crazy that he wasn't caught delivering ransom notes because he he would give them to like like a taxi driver and say, "Hey, go drop this off at this person," and then no one ever could tell you what the guy looked like that handed him the note. Um, so on April second, uh, that's, that's quarter- how I send all my messages. I just hail a taxi cab, and uh, that's how I. Told Alex that we were having a podcast tonight at 8 o'clock. Yep. I DM someone I don't know and say, hey, can you tell Mike I'm going to be a little bit late? And then they, they pass it on. Yes. So Condon, he met this guy, John, and he finally, after the 12th ransom note, he would take $50,000 to him in exchange for the baby. There was a lot of negotiations of like how much money should be given. But eventually he gave $50,000. What was the original amount? That was the original amount, I think. Why the hell the back and forth? It was a lot. I mean, it was probably, you know, you got to trust. You got to build, you know. Yeah, they, just, they became friends. They started, like, writing jokes back and forth. and Yeah, a lot of people back then were, there's a lot of, like, uh, what are they called? Like, uh, Lucky they mimic the scene. You know, they try to con the situation. Sympathizers with the kidnapper, you know, people you just want to be famous and stuff. So they had to really verify this was real. 
Yeah, and Lindbergh kept sending him back Dilbert comics and stuff like that. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. Um, the note on the 13th note after he got his money said that the child could be found on a boat named Nelly near Martha's Vineyard. Um, the stranger then walked north into the park woods. The following day, an unsuccessful search for the baby was made near Martha's Vineyard, and they would search and search and search, and they would not find this baby. So you guys, did you know all that? You know all the... No. I, I know about, like, the... No, I don't know the specifics, so I'm, okay. I'm glad I'm learning more about this. This See, baby. I'm bringing Mike around to this fact. He's very mad at this. It's a very popular fact. This is not mad. random nor obscure. <laughs> um, all right, so now we're almost done. On, Mar- on May 12th, May 12th, 1932, William Allen, an assistant on a truck driven by Orville Wilson, would accidentally find the body of the kidnapped baby partly buried and badly decomposed about four and a half miles southeast of the Lindbergh home, 45 feet from the highway. Yeah. Yeah. The head was crushed. There was a hole in the skull and some of the body parts were missing. Uh, On May 13th, the next day, the body was positively identified and cremated in Trenton, New Jersey. And the coroner's examination showed that the child had been dead for about two months and that the death was caused by a blow to the head. So if you uh, look at the dates, it was found on May 12th and what was kidnapped March 1st. So the popular belief is that the kid was killed that night that it was kidnapped. Yeah, yeah if you're going to kidnap a baby for ransom, I doubt that person who's wanting to go through all that wants to take care of a baby for two months. Yeah. So this this yeah. guy's probably not a great guy, obviously. but No. But they uh, like everybody wanted to catch this guy. You know, like the FBI, ever like a lot of the DOJ was in on it, like trying to catch him. And what they would eventually do is they would track the money, the gold certificates that they used for the ransom notes. And um, a few years, it went like a while before any of it was like turned up as like being used. And then they slowly started tracking it to this house. Um, and on September 19th, 1934, two years later, Bruno Richard Hauptman was taken into custody. They found the guy. Um, they had that Dr. Corden, Condon guy. Yeah. He um, he identified him. He's like, yeah, that was the John guy. He matched a uh, uh, a picture that someone drew. Like one of the people that met him, like that he like a taxi driver that he liked to go between, mm-hmm. did a caricature thing. Uh, he matched that. His handwriting matched the handwriting of the ransom note. Um, and he would go on trial. And on April 3rd, 1936, Bruno was sentenced to death and executed. But people think there are people out there. I didn't dive too deep into the conspiracy stuff, but there are people <laughs> out there. I'm sure there's a lot of them. Yeah. That think he was set up and that he was framed. So, And there, apparently there was one. This is super sad. There was one of the um, the people that worked for the Lindberghs. Like they lived on a huge house, like thousands of acres. Yeah. And uh, one of the people that worked for him was constantly like, being like, you did it. You're the one who kidnapped this baby, and eventually that person would kill themselves because they just couldn't handle the, the all the pressure and the stress that was being put on them. Oh, so they thought that maybe one of the workers was in on it, and so yeah. they kept threatening them, even though there was like no evidence of that ever happening. Yeah, the, the only thing I could think of uh, as far as conspiracy theories go would be like maybe they the Lindbergs killed the baby accidentally, and then they tried to pass it off as like a yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing I could think of that would even be in remotely a reason to do that. But mm. all right, there you have it. That's our conspiracy of the week from uh, Mikey Sands. 
Yeah, what's the name of your fact, fact, Pat? The fact of the century. The fact of the century? Oh, did you know this? Shout out to Mick Maloney, our older brother. Did you know, have you ever seen Murder on the Oregon Express? Mm, no. Uh, the new or old one? The it's the new one is based on the like it's based off a book. Yeah. Ah. So the uh, the uh, motive for the murder is uh, based off this story. Really? Um, yeah. The guy they the guy who dies is apparently the one who kidnapped a young child, and I'm not going to spoil the story, but yeah. it was based off of this. Was was that movie any better than the train? The one that takes place on a train because that I that's the one even... that takes place on a train. That's Murder on New York yeah. Express. Oh, you're thinking What's of the, the boat other one? one. Murder on, of, the, uh, Death uh, on the Nile. Boat. Yeah, uh, Death on the Nile. Gotcha. Death on the Nile. All right. Well, I tried watching the, the Murder of the Oriental Express or whatever it's called, and Orient I made Express. it like 20 minutes, and I'm like, I can't watch this. You have about a 20 minute uh, <laughs> period of time where you watch something before you. Well, turn it off. I know when to pull the plug and. I'm never wrong. That's why Mike is my uh, power of attorney. (laughs) I want someone who doesn't know how to pull the plug. All right, and as your winner from last week, I guess you will end the show without hearing anything from Alex as he lets out a huge yawn before his show. Yeah, that's fine with me. I'm good. I want to go home. I'm going to go upstairs and eat a nice plate of Spam. That's what I'll do. Oh, is this a spam fact? Yeah. So what is spam, Pat? You ask. Is this spam likely? Yep. Spam. <laughs> it's canned meat. <laughs> yeah. Spam was founded in 1937 on July 5th by. Homo... Sounds like a country. It was founded. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was made. Well, it was by President upon Spam. <laughs> by Hummel Foods. It was already in the game. They were a canned ham company. Uh, family company. They were famous for their canned hams. But there was an issue. People weren't really doing stuff with the pork shoulder for pigs because you had to, it was hard to get the meat off the bones. So you had all this pork shoulders and people needed something to do with it. So Homel worked on it and they figured out how to make spam. Now everybody's like, oh, what's in spam? Oh, it's mystery meat. Actually, only like Five ingredients. Really? Yeah. It's pork. I thought it was just like chopped up junk. No, it's pork shoulder, salt. Ever heard of it, Mike? Yeah, it's basically all salt. <laughs> when I think of spam, I just think I'm, I'm eating a mouthful of salt. Yeah. Sugar. Ever heard of it, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, I. that's what I think of when I think of spam. I think I'm eating a mouthful of sugar. Water. Ever heard of it, Mike? That's what I think. And sodium nitrate, which is what helps keep the, like, helps spam keep. It's in a lot of foods. But that's all it is. And for a while, it was just pork shoulder. And eventually, they started adding ham. And in 2009, they added potato uh, starch to the recipe to help cut down on the gelatinous, like, gel that kind of comes with spam. But yeah, that's all it is, and that's how, how do you? That's how, a fact. I hope that's a fact. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's it. it. He would. Alex I went to the grocery it. store, saw the back of the can that said nineteen whatever eighty three. Is that what you said? Thirty seven. Thirty seven, and he read the ingredients label, and he said, "That's a fact." 
I love it. Two long facts yeah. and then <laughs> <laughs> spam is just pork shoulder, salt, sugar, and water and sodium nitrate. Sounds found, just like a McRib. I found it interesting how spam is made. Everything is mixed together and then it's put in the cans, vacuum sealed, cooked in the cans, and then cooled for three hours and labeled. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um. So... How did they come up with the name Spam, you ask, Mike? Well, rumor has it, or Spam says that Jay Hormel had a naming contest one day, uh, one time on New Year's Eve. And if you wanted to drink, you had to submit a piece of paper with a name for this new food on it. And Melgen has it that his brother, Kenneth uh, Dagnio... Dagno, I don't know how to say his name, is the one who came up with Spam, and he won the $100 prize. He was also his brother-in-law, so I don't know how how much you believe. So it just, there is no, like, rhyme or reason. It's not, like, sodium, Uh, potato, people think it's People think it's a portmanteau of uh, spiced ham, so SP. That's where they think it came from. People used to think it stood for something, but it doesn't. It's just a fun word that people like to say. Where do we get spam from when it comes to people calling me all the time? Uh, we'll get there. Um, so it was kind of popular. People like it, when the Great Depression hit, spam was cheap, and unlike a lot of the other canned foods at the uh, time, especially canned meats, you didn't need to refrigerate it, which was also like a pro and cons because some people were like, yeah, I don't trust non-refrigerated meat. But you could like it. You could keep it around in case things got worse, and you had something to read your family. Mm-hmm. And then the best thing ever happened to spam. What's the one? Mon- what? The Monty Python? Nope. Before that, no. World War Two. Oh was, yeah. Yeah, and spam was stable, easy to uh, deliver, um, high in calories. And be- it was better than what they had to eat in, like, World War Two. So was it sent as rations out with the soldiers? Yep. So it was sent okay. out with them. And, like, the, there's, like, Eisenhower made a comment about how he would, had to eat Spam during the war. and like, he- so, so I wonder if that's how it all, like, worked into, like, the delicatessens of, like, I think in Japan they use it yeah. as a delicatessen. So it's probably during World War Two. The soldiers so, brought it over, and yeah. So uh, during World War Two, it was around, and like um, during like the like the uh, the war aid to the UK and the USSR, spam was a big part of it. Uh, the president of Russia, Khrushchev, actually has like a quote like that pink random meat that came from the US. Is the uh, is the only reason we had any food to feed our armies, like they because all the land was destroyed from the fighting and all, and they needed food, and Spain was it, and the big places that had military bases like Hawaii, Guam, and Philippines were bit our big spam eater like countries now, and then war torn countries like uh, Korea and Japan, while they were getting back on their feet, is why spam is so popular there. Because it was easy to ship and it's self stable. And it's just grew impossible. And like, it's wild. Like, all these countries have like 
different things that they've done with spam. Like it's a breakfast food or it's like with sushi and Yeah, like, I love how it's like like that in all these other countries, but in the country of origin we just kind of like look down on it and we're like, Yeah, I don't wanna have anything to do with spam. It comes in a can. Yeah, it's but it's like it really did save like the like it really so you're helps. That's how we won the war. I think so. I like to think it is. Spam won the war. I, we'll say that here. We'll say that now. That's well, I, a fact. I was reading like a small side fact of uh, like somebody was talking about the history of spam and like canning beforehand. They used to use like lead, and it was like an Arctic. <laughs> two Arctic boats went out, and then like they disappeared. And Ooh. only a couple of years ago, they found them. They found the journal. And, like, the guys, like, abandoned the boats and all, and they think they went crazy because eating, like, meat from, like, that had lead cans in it. Yeah, what could go wrong? Yeah. (laughs) I'm getting flashbacks to Pat's uh, tomato fact. Yeah. Um, But, like, yeah, and, like, they also said during the war, spam, like, the grease was used for lubricate your guns and uh, waterproof their boots, which also makes it seem like it's something. And it's also... Like, you couldn't get pork, really, during the war. It's like, wasn't the best pork, because it's the pork shoulder. But, like, you at least could have some. And helped America. But you were asking, Pat, how did we get spamming? So, you mentioned earlier, there was the Monty Python sketch, spam. I don't know, yep. it's like, you can have eggs, eggs and spam, bacon, eggs, spam, spam, bacon, eggs, toast, spam, spam, spam. And then the Vikings start singing. So, I don't know if you noticed, but the internet, especially a lot of the early users of the internet, were nerds. <laughs> um, so, like, when somebody in, like, a multi-user dungeon game would set, like, they would spam each other by sending each other, like, a lot of junk emails and things like that. And, like, the name that's kind of caught on, that's what they would call it. And as the internet grew, people refer to it as spam. Oh, so they were joking that they were doing a bit from... Uh, yeah, you're sending you're sending a lot of annoying things to somebody and over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's your spam email. Now that's a legacy. Yep. Hopefully we create something lasting like that. Well, S- Spam is like way more important than you would ever imagine. Like it, it really holds a lot of importance and saved a lot of people's lives, it sounds like. Yeah, it's, I mean, we look down upon it, but... Like especially like canned food, I think a lot of people look down upon now. But really, it's one like the, I did a fact before on it, but it's like revolutionized like travel and things like that. I, like I've never even had it. Really? Come no. on! I've never had canned Sp- meat. Spam? I've never tried spam in my life. Spam? You should try like, it when I'm in town. You just fry it up on like the skillet or some mustard on the bread. Like what are you scared, Mike? You see, like it was like. I was watching videos of like different recipes of spam, and oh, it looks good. It's just like it's fried pork. That's <laughs> oh, all. It is it kind of like a fried bologna sandwich, sort of? Kind of like that. Bacon. It's a fried pork product. That's all it well, is. I- I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go, yeah, guys. Yeah, and it's Let's just like do it. They figured out a way to package it and make it stable. It lasts like three years. It doesn't sound like oh, you know, but like it is something you can just have on your shelf in case the end of the world comes. Well, th- today, uh, one Alex can became, spam. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Be- uh, became a uh, end of the world prepper. What do they call those? A uh, uh, doomsday prepper. Yeah. And then hey, when did we ever? My wife got a name for your your fact. 
No, I'm not done. Well, my fact is called Spam, the World Traveler. Um, there's going to be spam in the place that you work, but that... Um, you should do Spam <laughs> Likely. or. Well, I stopped trying to pitch that. Pull, pulling the curtain back here. Yeah. Uh-oh. Oh, put on some clothes. <laughs> no, I'm saying you guys are pulling the curtain back yeah. on um, these titles. No, but when my oldest was born, my wife was still working for the package meat team at her company. And uh, the vest from Hormel gave her a stuffed pig that had a little spam scarf and a spam onesie. Oh yeah, that, I thought Mickey got that for you. No, he got it from the. We got it from Hormel. That's official. Yep. Um, so so this uh, fact is sponsored. I wanted my. I kept telling my wife, like, we should get my son to become the spam baby. So much better than the Gerber baby. <laughs> uh, but there you have it. That's my fact. The spam, the world traveler. Hey, I have a question from uh, last week. Now that all the facts are in. Did anybody ever vote on what we should call Mike? Was it the hot steam machine? Yeah, you never or... posted that vote uh, the poll, Mike. I'm pretty sure just naturally we it's Mikey's hands. No, okay. it's Come a on. hot steam machine. Come on, hot steam machine, post it. All right, are you well, afraid you have to, that you have to message me separately what the different names need to be? Okay, so that's right, hot steam machine. Right, listeners, you have two voting options this week. Well, you can vote. You'll vote twice. It's going to be a ballot. You'll no, be, on, t- on Twitter, you can yeah. vote for my name, but yeah, on the you, on the website in the show notes, you can vote for the facts, which I it's way better. Also, yeah. please, <laughs> if you have an iPhone, I know you're all hoity toity, and you probably don't listen to us if you have an iPhone. But no, if you oh, do, oh, oh, then oh. Gonna ask him for a favor. Yeah, <laughs> I please go you... to the Apple Podcast thing, whatever they call it nowadays, and and leave us a review. We. Uh, one star, five stars. It doesn't matter. Actually, it does matter. Five stars, and then you can <laughs> you can make fun of us in the comments or whatever. If you, but if you we do ha- work on this pitch, first you open up with making fun of the people that you're asking for <laughs> reviews from, <laughs> and then you're like, "Yo, leave us a one star review." And we gotta, we gotta oh, work on this. I disagree with Mike. I think if you have an iPhone, you are delightful people, and we love you. <laughs> we like that you listen to our show. Yeah. But like Mike said, click on the show notes or go to factoffpodcast.com to vote for which fact you think is the best. Dump at Mike's fact, the fact of the century, Pat's fact, or my fact, spam, the world traveler. And rate and review us on Apple and Spotify, like Mike said. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Mike is off this spring and fall. And winter and summer, so I hope he doesn't po- work anymore. <laughs> yeah, he'll be posting. You're, you're more. feeding into the narrative that I'm a homeless podcaster. Yeah, and we'll um, and on Twitter, Mike will post the poll. What is the best nickname for Mike? Mikey Sands, the Hot Steam Machine, Mike. That's it. <laughs> yep, the two, the three. <laughs> there so, was another one, but you, you guys have to figure that out. Yeah, we'll figure that out later. Most importantly, have a great day. <laughs>